Welcome to God's Love Revealed Podcast. I'm Ellie Caswell, along with Jeff Williamson, and I want to share with you how I went from self-punishment with no true identity to a mutual knowing with Christ and finding an eternal identity in Him. Jeff is a licensed professional counselor with a master's in marriage, family, and child therapy from Fuller Theological Seminary. He has been in practice for over 20 years and specializes in intensive, short-term, dynamic psychotherapy. God has taught him profound spiritual dynamics which have led believers to true freedom. It's our hope to reveal the truth, life, and freedom of God's love manifested through Jesus. Psychological, emotional, and spiritual freedom is possible through the true knowing of Christ. So in this podcast today, I want to make a very strong distinction between salvation and sanctification, because I think there's a great confusion in the church. We are saved by grace alone. We are justified by that faith, by salvation. That is a sheer act of God. What I have seen, especially in the Reformed tradition, is taking the concept of saved by grace alone and start to apply it to sanctification to discipleship. And I want to show that the language that Jesus uses is much different when he's talking about discipleship, sanctification versus salvation or justification. Okay. So, we hear a lot about the sovereign will of God. Yes, it is the sovereign will of God that all of us would be saved. It is the sovereign will of God that we would be sanctified in him. But also often when it comes to discipleship and sanctification, what I hear is this passivity that says, whatever comes along, so to speak, when we're talking more in terms of discipleship, sanctification is the sovereign will of God. And I just need to abide in that sort of truth of his sovereign will. And that in itself will sanctify me. Okay, well, let's listen to Jesus's words here. And tell me how this is not a call to action from our king. So, here we're going to read a passage in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14, verse 16 through 34. Here we are not talking about salvation. We are talking about sanctification or discipleship here. But he said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what have you commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who are invited shall taste my banquet. Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, 
If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and his mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is of no use either for the soil or for the manure of pile. It is thrown away. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. The essence of sanctification discipleship is allegiance when jesus is saying you're no good to be my disciple if you don't hate your mother father even your own life this is not a psychological hatred an emotional hatred this is an allegiance term who is your king how is that salvation language that's not salvation language we are saved by grace alone This is clearly a different language because it requires a response and a movement. I want to show you that when it comes to sanctification, discipleship, location matters. Okay, that's very critical. And even the location of your heart. So, what does it mean when he says, you're not fit to be my disciple unless you hate your own life? Let's go back to the image in the previous podcast. Let's say... I stay in the boat. That's my life. By definition, when I get out onto the water with Jesus, I am laying down my life. And by the way, my mom and my brother and my sister might be in that boat. So, I'm also turning my back on them. So, this is a call to discipleship. This is a call to sanctification. The fruit language, where we produce fruit, which is evidence of our sanctification, not glorification, sanctification. The branch attached to the vine produces produces fruit. Those who persevere beyond the excessive worries and riches of this world produce a fruit of tenfold, hundredfold, thirtyfold. The connection with Jesus is a sanctification discipleship language. It does require a response. Sanctification is not a passive process where I can stay in my life in my boat and say that that life, just life itself, sanctifies me. That is not accurate. So, if you want to find your eternal life, you have to go to find the eternal one. The banquet parable is clear, and the kingdom of heaven is now. We're not talking just about the end of the age where we're glorified. We are also talking about now. Are we about the Father's business Uh, The king is coming soon. Listen to what the friends tell the king. I need to get married first. I need to go sell this piece of property. These aren't terrible things. The master, the father, is angry. He is angry that the person is about their own life more than they are about the son. 
you see, and so go out into the um, alleyways to the good and bad alike, okay? Because why? Because they don't have a life. They're in the alleyways. They're going to be more desperate to go wherever Jesus goes. We saw this with Mary Magdala. Jesus hung out with the sinners, the prostitutes, and the lepers. We must understand the difference in our response to God between salvation and sanctification and discipleship. This just feels so personal to me, and this feels so personal to me because I know that in my salvation, God chooses me, and I don't have a free will in my salvation. He has sought me out, and He has changed my heart. And in the, all the verses that you that we read together, I noticed like the language, like the cost of discipleship, and there's no cost besides Jesus dying on the cross. That is the cost, uh, but there's no cost for me in my salvation. That's the point of the gospel, right? Like it's all free, mm. and there's nothing that I lose by being saved. I gain everything. Mm. But there's a cost in discipleship. Like there is something that I'm giving up. There's, it's not, um, it's not easy, and it's not encouraged by the world. My salvation is completely free, and that's I have no say in that. There's nothing to give up, but to give up this world and to gain like my soul and freedom, there is, that is a decision that I have to make. And some, a verse that comes to mind or a quote from a verse is um, on earth as it is in heaven. Mm. And, you know, my salvation is guaranteed for me. My salvation, I know I will be in heaven forever. I will live with Christ for eternity. But while I'm here on earth... I can still experience freedom Mm -hmm. and I can live with an eternal mindset just by choosing to be with him. Absolutely. Yeah. That's beautiful. Beautiful understanding. You know, I get fired up in this and I don't want people to misunderstand why I'm fired up. The father is fired up. He is angry. I am offended for my king. That's, that's yeah, my and you heart. think about Jesus with his disciples. They all love him and believe him, and they're all saved. But like he gets frustrated with them because yes. like they don't see what he's really trying to say. And if he, if Jesus were here now, he would be saying the same thing to all these believers. Like it's not about God's sovereignty right. and just believing and trusting him more. Right. You're absolutely right. What did he say to Peter? He says, "Get behind me, Satan! You think as men." think, not as God thinks. Are we going to presume that we're different than Peter? You're exactly right. You know, Jesus's allegiance is to the Father. And when you say allegiance, yes, I think a lot of people have different, you know, yeah. were images in mind when you use that word. Like, I think kind of like 
military style. Yeah. Like, what do you, but what do you mean yes. by it? Like, it's this commitment. It's like, I'm willing to do anything, whether it takes me away from a deeper connection with my husband or um, it's like by moving towards something, by moving towards him, you're naturally moving away from something else. And yes. it's a lot of times people that you care about and that you love and that's when it comes down to like you're saying location and them following you. Amen. Hopefully. Verse 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Okay, where's your allegiance? I mean, person, like world. This is the coming king who is here now, the kingdom Come, this is our eternal king. Let's not forget that. He is our savior, he's our redeemer, he is our king. What would back in the day, you know, if you didn't have allegiance to your king, what would what would the king do to you? Slaughter you. Yep. Here we're talking about an allegiance. This king has given everything. He has laid down his life. The gospel is that he died on our behalf. The wages of sin is death. He was buried. He was raised. That was that's the gospel. And that we're sinners. This king gave it all, and we can't give him our allegiance. You know, we justify. Well, that's what I mean by like, you know, when a lot of believers say, um, most often, like in the Reformed Covenant theology. Like I just need to trust God more. He is sovereign. I need to just pray more. Like that's not taking any sacrifice in your life no. to do that. That's taking like um you're just trying you're just making a decision to like I don't even know what you're doing by saying I need to trust him more. You're like you just decide yourself, I need to trust him more and I need to pray more and I'll automatically feel better. That's right. Jesus rebuked fear when it was about the wind and the waves. He rebuked fear when it had to do with, oh, the boat is sinking, my life is sinking. He rebuked that. Perfect love casts out all fear. Fear is related to punishment, Scripture says. Jesus came to take our punishment. If we're living in fear, we're still living in punishment that he took on the cross. We right. should and be that, alive. And that is the gospel. The gospel isn't about God's sovereignty. No. The gospel is about Jesus, God sending his son yes, because he loved us and he cared for us. And gave his life for us. Right. And to free us from that punishment. There is therefore no condemnation yeah. for those who are in Christ Jesus. See, and we would live and we would abide in him and we would be allegiant to him and his kingdom come, not our own little kingdoms. And another thing, because I've lived this, is we try to go directly to God instead of going through Jesus. Amen. And Jesus was sent here on earth as a man because God knew that that's what we needed to know him. We can't go directly to God. There's this separation and that's why he had to send his son so we could know him and love him and um, be known by him. Not so we can understand God's sovereignty no. and God, how God is just in control and He puts things in our life to sanctify us and to teach us to be like Him. No. 
not in sanctification. You, you, uh, what you just said um, that yeah, no one comes to the Father but through me. I am the door. I am the sheep gate. How many times does Jesus say, I am the portal mm-hmm. back to mm-hmm. the Father? Well, what does that require in sanctification and discipleship? Follow me. Let the dead bury the dead and follow And it me. is so prideful and arrogant to think that you can just go to God and be like, I need to just trust you more. <laughs> and I need to just pray more that I can be like you without going to Jesus first, without recognizing that He is your authority first and that you can't go to God without Christ. And you know, you're talking about Jesus' headship over the body mm-hmm. because you are a female with understanding. And we're going to, the next uh, podcast, we need to talk about what submission really means, Okay. Um, but that would be too much for this. But we need to get into exactly what you're saying right there. Is what does submission to our king really mean? Well, you know what? It's very similar to what we're talking about here right now. Okay, right. That we I, can cover that. In yes, we can podcast. cover it in another podcast. But we're talking about submitting our lives, <laughs> laying down our lives, picking up our cross. What is the cross? Is to say no to your life and say yes to the Father, because that's what the head did. Everything that Jesus is asking us to do is what he did. How many times did he talk about the kingdom of God? How many times did he talk about the Father? Is he going on about his own life? He's not married. He's not, Paul's not married. You know, like, what are we doing One of the things that offends God in this parable is, I just got married, please excuse me. We want to say that marriage in itself in the boat sanctifies. That is a misunderstanding of what Ephesians 5.22 is saying and what submission is saying. It is not saying that. Marriage is a symbol of Christ to the bride. That means, bride, you must submit to his authority on his terms and follow him. Okay, but we'll get into that. Let's read now John chapter 11, starting in verse 21. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God, who is coming into the world. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. What does this mean? Remember, Mary was seated at Jesus's feet. And Jesus said, Martha, Mary has found the better thing. You're anxious and worrying about too many things, Martha. Martha says, I will be raised at the end. So, what Jesus, he's making a distinction that we need to catch. Whoever believes in me, salvation will rise again. They will live. Mary is at his feet. She listened to it. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. When we are born again, we're born again of spirit. 
the distinction is I can believe, but I'm not participating in sanctification. I'm not alive in spirit. Mary, by abiding in Jesus, is not just believing, she is living in him, and her spirit will never die. When Jesus is on the cross, his body dies, but he says, into thy hands I commit my spirit. See, Jesus is spiritually alive. When we live in Jesus, though our body die, we are with him in paradise that very day. We live, we don't sleep. But there are others who will sleep, they are saved, they believe in him, but they didn't live in him. They didn't abide in him. And so they will sleep and they will be raised at the last day. Location matters. Okay, so just so I'm clear, this passage where Jesus is talking to Martha and he's telling her, he's telling her about her salvation, what it means to be saved. That's right. In the passage where Jesus is at Mary and Martha's house and Mary is at his feet while Martha is busy with her life in the kitchen, he's talking about Mary being sanctified. He's not talking about salvation. He's talking about Mary has found the better thing as far as being with me here at my feet, location again, not about salvation. And so wherever, um, so that's... You're exactly right. And that's the distinction Jesus is making with those who believe in me will live at the last day. Right. That's like that's a guarantee. That's salvation, right? right? That's salvation. But those who live and believe in me shall never die. Why is that? Because they're already spiritually alive in Christ. Okay, now Yes, we are sealed, we are spiritually alive in the eternal sense and justification, but that doesn't mean you're living by the Spirit as much as you think you are. You're living by your own... Oh, gotcha. You're talking about alive as far as like living in this world, like spiritually alive. That's right. Being sanctified. Living according to the Spirit, not the law, as we saw in the last podcast, right? That I'm living, that, that dead, that husband has died of the law. I am no longer living by that law, okay? I am living by the Spirit. I am alive in Him. And there is fruit to show that. Like the foolish Galatian, if you go back to law to sanctify you, like Paul said, remember, offended, like, what, well, then what right, was the point? It never saved you, so how can it sanctify yeah. you? And what's the point of his crucifixion if you're just going to go back to that? So we can live by the law in the boat or in the kitchen like Martha. That is salvation. And to say, well, for Martha to say, well, I'm being sanctified as I go about my kitchen. That's not correct. That is not correct. You must go abide at his feet. There is a cost to doing that. And that's where you're alive in Christ. And that is never taken away. There's one last passage that to me is incredibly profound to the point right here. In John chapter 13, starting in verse 3. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. 
Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but it is completely clean, and you are clean, but not every one of you, for he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, Not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Why is it that Jesus says, if you're clean, all you have no further reason to wash? Because clean is salvation. It is justification. We are justified by the blood of Jesus Christ, the sacrifice of, the, of Jesus Christ. Sanctification, all you have to do is wash your feet. And sanctification, it's just where you are. If you are Mary seated his feet. Your feet are clean. If you're still trudging around in your anxiety and your life in the kitchen, whatever the imagery is, your feet need to be clean. And who is going to clean your feet? Jesus. You must go out to him. Likewise, if Mary's seated at his feet and somebody comes up, she can wash their feet. You see, he's talking about the bottom of our feet. He's saying that where you are matters. There is no further reason to wash. You are saved, but your feet are only clean. Your feet are only clean when you're abiding in Christ. Yeah, that's exactly right. And a thought that just came to mind is when we try to change just our mentality about something to reassure ourselves of our situation or that there's a purpose to our situation, a purpose to our suffering, like it's sanctification is the ultimate purpose. And we try to convince ourselves and reassure ourselves that God is in control. That's just a matter of our mind. Instead of mm. looking at it as, where do I need to be right now? And I need to be where mm. Jesus is. And just keeping that in mind that it is about our location. Yes. Not our mentality of what I need to believe about God. That, I feel, for me personally, has distanced me and um, from a true knowing of Him when that's my mentality instead of where is Christ at and I want to be close to Him and I want to know Him. You know, what you're saying is so great and, you know, I don't want to go on too much, but you, what you're highlighting, Ellie, is the sovereign will of God is in either location. Job is seated with the Father. That's why Satan's coming after him. But we could say Job is seated at the Father's feet, so to speak. Okay. The sovereign will of God allows evil to come against him. You know, the sovereign will of God extends wherever you are. You know, the sovereign will of God is going to be uh, there working through where Martha is at. It's going to be there if you're Mary seated at his feet. Don't you think that your allegiance in your heart, that would be wiser for you to be at his feet 
um, as life plays out. Job's counselors are making it sound like, Job, there is no way you're seated at God's feet because this wouldn't happen to you if you were seated. You know, you must be doing something wrong. That's their whole argument. We're all going to have trouble. We're all going to have difficulty. How can you prove this beyond any shadow of doubt? Jesus Christ is with the Father flawlessly. We know this. Did Jesus incur trouble? Uh, I would say so. He was flogged. He was beaten. He was ridiculed. Good times are going to come. Bad times are going to come for every one of us. Sanctification discipleship is walking with God, being with God as the wind and waves occur. Sanctification isn't the wind and the waves. Sanctification is the location. Thank you for joining us today. If you found this podcast to be insightful, please subscribe to our show and share with someone who would enjoy listening. And we look forward to meeting here with you again soon.